0: It's me, Anzi again, and we are back for episode six on A B Podcast. I'm here with Ben.
1: Hi. That's it.
0: <laughs> Hi, Ben. Hi. Oh, that's so late. How are you, Ben?
1: I'm good. Um, I'm pretty tired this week. Um I'm I'm pretty uh, okay. Yeah, it's 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 been a heavy week for um for news and social media, hasn't it?
0: Yes, it has. Mhm. But speaking of social media, um someone sent me some feedback through Instagram which I thought was really worth mentioning. Um and I I just wanted to encourage you um Ben that our discussion on quarantainment and beyond actually prompted this one listener to Um, really think about his decision-making processes and including God. And I thought it was really cool that, um, you know, he's been listening to our podcast and he's been challenged by, um, you know, the things that we've been sharing, such as, you know, questioning things and not to, because you you said, Ben, do you remember when you said it's quite exhausting to question everything? And um, it's quite exhausting sometimes to keep involving God. Mm. Do you remember saying that yeah. at all? And so this, this one brother was saying how your podcast made me realize that I was th- the way that I was thinking, I don't really consider God all the time. And so I do need to keep turning to God, even when I make decisions of bad bad habits I want to eliminate to do it for God. And I thought that was really encouraging about that. Um, yeah, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great. Thanks for the, for the feedback.
0: Yeah, we always we always want more feedback and we'd love to hear more of your questions um, and keep them coming, guys. Yes, please. So this week we are um, episode six now. Oh, Ben, can you believe it? It's episode six.
1: I know. This lockdown goes on forever, huh?
0: I know, I know. And to think that we are now on episode 11 for BCC Online. Anyway, speaking of which, this week we have a very special guest.
1: Ooh, who is it?
0: Why don't you reveal yourself? Who are you?
2: Hello, my name is uh, Robert Worthington III. No, hi, it's Bert. Hi.
0: <laughs> what was that? I hate was that, you that your attempt from at being British? <laughs>
1: <laughs> i thought it was pretty good
0: oh my um so this week we have bert as our special guest um on our show very exciting times
1: and see why is bert here
0: well we thought we'd would introduce uh, a third voice just because it's nice to hear a different opinion um because it's not just gonna be me and ben just battling out but actually we wanted to have our boss, pastor and friend um, to come on the show and just uh, give some insight into today's topic.
1: Okay, what is our today's topic?
0: Wow, you're asking me a lot of questions, Ben. Sorry. Um, today's topic is going to be racism. And I thought, oh, it would be really good to have a third voice in this an dialogue. Extra,
1: an extra non-white person, you mean? <laughs> Whoa. I mean, I mean...
0: Well... It's a, a, um, a representation more, yeah. of our. It's a representation of our pastoral team, isn't it? It is. We our are pastoral the pastoral team. team. So my first question to you guys is: What is your earliest memory around skin colour?
1: Who do you want to answer first?
0: Uh, let's have Ben first. What is your f- earliest memory around skin colour, Ben?
1: I know that I had friends in primary school who weren't white, but I. I don't think I remember thinking of them in that way like thinking oh that's my non-white friend that's my indian friend that's my black friend um so yeah i don't know i think one thing that does stand out though is maybe um my school so i grew up in leicester um there's quite a large um indian population uh and and so my school had quite a large proportion of um of indian uh students and uh uh-huh. in secondary school and I do remember in secondary school this experience of um, they would, <laughs> I don't want to say they would, like every, every single one, um, but a lot of them would, would really like um, hold on to or um, exaggerate the fact that they were, that they were Indian um, and would, would kind of challenge um, a lot of uh, the, the white students and, and say, like, "Oh, are you being racist? Is, are you saying that because I'm Indian?" And most of the time it wasn't. I, I don't I can't recall any um, really like outright racist um, incidents that happened at my school, but I, I was aware of this um, this idea of um, maybe I didn't think of uh, myself and them as as different, um, but I right. was I was aware that in on some levels. And some of them, like we, I was friends with, it wasn't. It wasn't like they kept to themselves. But I was aware that on some levels. There was this um, other part of an identity that I didn't kind of understand and didn't maybe um, get why they were so keen on um, pushing that.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. What about you, Bert? When was your first time? Um, first uh, earliest memory around skin colour? I
2: don't know. That's uh, that's true. Uh, it, I think the obviously the, the difference between growing up in America and growing up here is is quite significant. And I think for myself in particular, I didn't grow up in uh, the area I grew up in had quite a lot of Chinese people. Um, mm. So uh, I did when I was in middle school, uh, or I, I year equivalent would be year seven, year, year eight. Uh, Here, I I moved to a different school, and that school was much more, um, it was less diverse. So it was about 50% Chinese, 50% white in that school. Um, And I think because it was slightly more affluent white, there was definitely a divide between um, the Chinese kids would kind of hang out with each other and the white kids would kind of hang out with each other. And there might be one Mm. or two crossovers. And it was usually uh, if there was a particularly pretty girl or a particularly athletic (laughs) boy, then there'd be a little bit more crossover. There wasn't animosity so much as it was more like that's just how that's, that's how the chips fell, you might say. Mm. Um, so I, I don't think it'd be something people would say it's outright racist, but I think it definitely reflects um, cultural comfortability, comfortabilities that uh, people align themselves with.
0: Cultural comfortabilities.
2: Comfortabil- comfortable comfortable. Illities. You're more comfortable with your own culture. <laughs>
0: think, yeah, basically. okay. Okay.
2: Whereas I think when we talk about racism, it's normally with a more antagonistic or aggressive negative sort of sense of the word.
0: Mm. Mine was very early, actually. I was probably reception. My first, no, a nursery, really. I think it was nursery. And um, that was my first real encounter of, oh, I am the only Chinese kid in. This nursery. Oh, I they I, I don't understand them. They all speak in this other language. This is me, you know, telling my mum in Chinese at home. And um, and I remember actually um making friends with other people who were a minority. That young at at uh, nursery school, and even throughout reception and year one and year two, my closest friends were minority groups
1: was that a conscious
0: choice um i don't know i don't think it was a conscious choice so my yeah one of my earliest memories was all these people aren't including me and and so one of my best friends was um she was half black and half white so she was mixed race and um and then i had this other friend who actually no she was a ginger girl <laughs> she was a ginger girl
1: yeah that's not a
0: minority. <laughs> that's not a minority but a, a ginger is quite rare i thought back then anyway um but everyone wants to play with the blonde pretty girl or you know to 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 play um you know chase and catch the rob ca- was it rob robbers and what was that game cops you know cops and robbers that's it cops and robbers and, um, but I would always be excluded. I wasn't allowed to play. Yeah.
1: Really? That's, wow. that's
0: how young I was. Yeah. So my, my experience of skin color was quite early on. Um, as soon as I entered education anyway, so that shapes my, my history, but for you guys, did your parents ever talk to you guys about racism? Or did you experience racism firsthand first? Let's, let's start with Ben.
1: Um, ben? Yeah. What's <laughs> my experience of racism? Uh, I, I could honestly <laughs> say um, I don't think that I have
2: experienced um, racism. Uh, in, why don't we, yeah, why yeah. don't we just jump to the chase and say, well, Ben, have you experienced white privilege? Do you feel like you are someone in a position of white privilege?
1: Well, I mean, I definitely do be because I am in
0: that position.
2: Do you think white privilege is a real thing?
0: Um, can you define it?
2: I don't know. Can, <laughs> you, can you define it? Yeah, I can, but I want to know what. I think, it's, I think it's much more interesting to hear, because obviously we're ethnic minorities, but for someone who is not uh, I'm an ethnic minority in particular, you have a longer legacy in this country than most of us you do. Do. Right. Uh, I do. It's interesting to hear like, what your perspective of white privilege might be.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, my understanding of, of the term white privilege would be uh, the inherent um, advantages that, that come with, um, with being in the majority. Uh, so I'm not thinking of it as a, um, like, state of mind, but
0: actually just, a, like, the, the reality of, of life, you know. Uh, does that make sense? No.
1: So I'm not walking around <laughs> thinking, "Oh yes, I am the white man, like, and I can do all these things." That's not uh, that that doesn't go through my head um, ever, really.
0: I guess because because in your world it's normal to be white, right? So it doesn't it, it doesn't stand out unless you you grew up in say Africa or you grew up in Asia where you do stick out.
1: Yeah. No. So. That's that's why I was asking, like, what what do you mean by it? Um, because if you look at it as like, is it true that, that white people experience um, maybe greater greater freedom to to do as much as they to do what they want in society? Then that's definitely true. Do they have more um, more advantages? Yeah, are they treated differently? Yes, I don't. I think it's rare to come across, in my experience, someone who is um, consciously uh, using that white privilege deliberately, and that, not to say that it doesn't happen. We've seen uh, this week in the news a huge example of that happening. right But uh, my own experience is that um, I don't I haven't been um, challenged, I don't feel like I've been Uh, profiled because of who i am as a as a as a white guy as a Mm. man um as a british person i feel like um i haven't had those i haven't experienced those things right but there's a difference between that and kind of walking around and um flaunting yeah yeah flaunting Flaunting. yeah,
2: yeah right I think that's the thing with privilege. And I think, uh, I think it's important to clarify that actually most of us are coming from a position of some sort of privilege. If you have two parents, you are more privileged yeah. than other people. If you have a stable income or your parents have stable income, you're in a privileged position. And yeah. you're right. I think when you are in a privileged position, it's very difficult to imagine otherwise, uh, just because it is uh, very much the norm. I think that's where a lot of times you get racial um, misunderstanding coming from and i know when we talk about race or racism we tend to think of it as a binary you are either racist or mm. you're yeah. not racist but it's actually yeah. much more of a scale where you have a sense of um there are some things which i am unknowingly judgmental about and other things which i am i i, I deliberately judgmental about uh, or things that i'm just completely ignorant about because i know for myself even if i talk about um uh, the privileges that I have, I, I think having parents uh, and the position that they're in, uh, the hard work that they put in, I think those are all kind of models that I have that it is makes it a lot harder for us to understand who come from a more uh, underprivileged background, or else uh, the kind of hardships they may have endured. And that that's uh, regardless of race. So when we talk about white privilege, even you're we're, there's a large spectrum of uh, white, British people, uh, in, a, in a wide range of economic skills and uh, whether it's entitlement or uh, privilege I think we all have to be, be aware of that but I will say there's something uh, particular about uh, and, and I, I think some of this is shifting uh, but there's most representation that we see in the media however is um, comes from an Anglo-Saxon background mm-hmm. which is uh, which is, which is unique, which is different. I think that's why there's such a strong reaction towards something like Black Panther or um, mm. even for Asian American uh, films, uh, Crazy Rich Crazy Asians. Crazy Rich Asians,
0: yeah. Um, or
2: even the real drifting towards uh, K-pop or uh, those things. It's giving other people the opportunity to see things. And that's why I think the reaction to Parasite in the States is so interesting because there's such a negative mm. reaction to Parasite winning Ah, uh, the Oscars and people saying, "Well, they shouldn't have to read subtitles in films um, and things Mm-mm-mm. like that." That's a perspective there.
0: But going back to the going back to the question. Um, so, but did you ever talk to your parents about racism?
2: No, I think I what it's actually the reverse. So I think a lot of uh, people who grew up as. Uh, children of immigrants actually there's in there's usually a rejection of your chineseness and in some sense a rejection of your parents I, I, part of that's adolescence trying mm. to establish yourself but there was a real frustration for myself thinking oh well why do my parents speak such bad english like i speak so much better english i must be smarter than them and there was a Mm-mm. lack of understanding or appreciation for uh, the kind of challenges and the hardships they had to go through uh, to be an immigrant in this country even my dad uh, moving from the midwest of america to the west Coast. Uh, because he experienced racism as a doctor, which meant it was very difficult for him to even do his job. So he moved to the Mm. West where uh, he ended up with a a larger Chinese community. Um, And those were some of the the side effects of, you know, uh, in those cases, I think racial stereotyping and uh, racist racist attitudes.
0: Right. Because for me, racism always came about... um, like parents like you said first gen parents they would come from a place of um fear and um paranoia that we are different in this country we need to be careful we we you know our parents just want to survive and so in order to survive we have to work hard we're not allowed to let our you know families down our race down you know it's all about face isn't it so so for me racism always came about where You know, we were different, but yet, if someone spoke to you, like did did some racist comment or something, you were meant to not fight it, to draw attention to yourself. You were meant to kind of um, be be fearful and submissive, and kind of like just ignore it, brush it off, um, and don't, you know, just just deal with it. But it's different for a Chinese guy. So my dad, before he left um, Hong Kong his dad ensured that he would learn martial arts this was during the time when um uh, jackie chan no not jackie chan bruce lee bruce lee even um was all the rage and you know that really fit the stereotype of a of a china man you know to know kung fu in order to protect oneself and i just thought that was really interesting but whether as for a female chinese you know you just had to bite your tongue and you just had to um refrain from you know uh, speaking up
2: I mean, I think that's where uh, the Chinese people, uh, they get the term of model minority. I don't know if they use that term here, but in the States, they use this term called model minority in that the Chinese are the model minority because they don't kick back. They don't make a fuss. They just put their mm. heads down and get on with it. And mm. in some ways, I think the immigrant culture of uh, East Asians was that same kind of perspective. Well, we don't want to cause trouble. We know uh, there's a bit of fear there. And so it's really just put your head down, get to work. Mm. Uh, and So in in a lot of times there's this comparison between um, why sometimes Chinese are more tolerated uh, than other ethnicities. Uh, And it's partially a little bit of the cultural where we just don't want to rock the boat. Uh, But we do find later is that there are glass ceilings. uh, There are places that we're not allowed to go into because of the color of our skin. Um, Not physically, but like we can't move into those areas, whether it's uh, mainstream media, whether it is even in political areas. And so I know growing up, um, you know, it used to be worse, but now it's definitely a lot, a lot better. I think things have definitely progressed uh, racially. I, when I first came to this country, uh, <laughs> it's the first time I experienced racial abuse in a long time because my city in the States was f- full of Chinese people. Uh, but when I came here, I remember someone like shouted some racial slur at me. And I was like so shocked because I hadn't heard that in, in years and years and years. And I was, just, I was like, wow, this. It's really, really backwards here. Very, very, very odd. And it took a lot of stuff getting used to. Like, they would call uh, Native Americans, uh, the, I, I think, they do they still call them in this country? Like, Red Indians? That's, like, totally inflammatory. You cannot say that in America. It's, like, so insulting.
0: Wow. So, my other question now would be, um, do you think that there is uh, racism everywhere, then?
1: That's a really good question. Um, so you asked us to read um, a chapter of this book, Beyond Colorblind. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Wait, what's what's being colorblind first, Ben?
1: Yeah. So if being colorblind is is this uh, phrase that you will hear often, white people often majorities saying, um, "Oh, I don't see I don't see color. I I don't see you as uh, as a Chinese person. I just see you as a person." And so this book is challenging that um, that attitude as not helpful and kind of arguing that that actually your ethnicity is, is part of your identity. Is it just being politically
0: correct? Is it just you being politically correct? Because so, you don't want to offend someone by pointing out the obvious that, oh, you, you have black hair and you have yellow skin. Uh, you, you are brown or you are black or you are of a different colour than me um
1: yeah perhaps it you you know you know if um i don't know say say i'm at at an event like a wedding or something and i'm chatting to someone Mm -hmm. and i'm saying oh my wife's over there um there's that there's then that like tension of like and that and they're saying oh who is it i could go she's the chinese one or i could (laughs) like try and like skirt around oh she's the one in the blue dress with the with the straight black hair um and and try and avoid mentioning um the fact that she's chinese uh because i don't want to i mean obviously i it's it's my wife like it's different but if you you you've, have you been in those situations where you're trying to describe uh, a stranger or someone uh who you don't quite know as well and you're like oh do i mention their race or not like it would be easy to identify them that way but is it wrong
0: to mention their race though? that's
1: that's yeah that, so that's i think the the idea of colorblindness you feel so aware of causing offense that you just mm. decide, okay, we're going to ignore that entirely. Anyway, um, so I wrote down uh, this, this quote that I, I don't think I agree with, which in reference to your question, um, near the start of, of chapter one, she says, why do our top schools seem plagued by racial brokenness? And I, I thought maybe that, that was too too strong because even though maybe racism is in a lot of places and is, um, is systemic in a lot of um, situations, I feel like most people are not racist and it's just a small minority that are. But that might be my white privilege. Uh, that might be me not seeing um, a lot of what goes on.
0: So obviously there's, there's going to be... Like I'm glad Bert actually said that it's like a scale. So there's the outward verbal or physical um, abuse, and then but then you've also got the subtleties of abuse uh, of racism, which I don't think you will pick up on unless you are of a you know minority um, in say in the classroom setting. So for me, like I studied okay, my first degree was English language. And people were really confused why I was there. They actually, without having a conversation with me, they thought I was learning English as a second language. But, and I just thought that was really bad. Like the fact that they would just judge me by my colour.
1: Is is that that they're being, obviously you're being treated differently, but is that that they're Mm -hmm. being racist or is that genuine um, ignorance that they haven't met a Chinese person Probably
0: ignorance. They're they're bound to have met Chinese people, like, maybe not as friends, but even just stepping into their local Chinese takeaway, surely they would know that, you know, there would be a Chinese person serving them, either in broken English or with uh, pretty good English because they grew up here, they were born here. And so I I think it's really, um, it's really bad how people do, you know they tend to avoid you because they're too scared to speak to you because they think, oh, maybe that person's an overseas student.
2: But that's the, I mean, that's, you're you're, have a bit of a catch-22 there. If you're offended, if people ask if you're doing this because English is your second language, that means you will, it's why people are too scared to approach and and mention things because um, they're afraid of insulting, uh, but you can't combat ignorance without making some mistakes along the way. And I think that's, that's the dilemma because, um, one, we don't know what's going to offend someone. And second, uh, already, I think within British culture, there is a sense of not wanting to offend or to be, uh, to make mistakes. Uh, but then in doing so, uh, they can end up sometimes making it worse, uh, overthinking things. And it's, it's a very, very difficult line to draw. I, I think when my wife was, uh, you know, she was invited to come join a, a women's Bible study once and, uh. To share a little bit. And she shared about her experience growing up in the UK. And and at the end of it, they said, Do you have any questions? And the the woman said, Oh, you speak English very well. Some Chinese people have a hard time saying the word three. Can you say three? (laughs) And and that is deeply offensive. (laughs) Uh, I think she was spared because the host said, You don't have to answer that, like um, stepped in to try to understand, diffuse that situation. Um, But that's not. And that's one of those things where hopefully afterwards the person has a learning experience to realize, oh, um, I seem to have missed the whole point of this whole thing. And I've focused too much on race as opposed to uh, someone's experience. And so when I talk about scale, I'm not talking about the scale of abuse, but when we talk about scale of racism is maybe more of a constellation. There are areas which we are more judgmental about, either out of ignorance or out of spite uh, because of race, that we deny people the fair opportunities they would have otherwise um because of our own biases and i would say all of us have those biases in different Mm -hmm. areas in us um and it's learning how to move past that i think that's important
0: do you think power has has a play in racism i mean yeah I, i i but i think i think it's
1: again because we're talking about like this this spectrum of um yeah on one hand there's like white supremacy and on the other hand there's uh ignorance or um yeah ignorance uh but yeah i think i think you can totally see that with what's happening in america right now um it for for some people um it's totally about power
2: i think power has the ability to affect the well-being of other people And so if you uh, have a bias towards another race because of their color or there's something about some gender that you don't like, uh, you will use that power to oppress another group or to influence them uh, in a negative way. And I think that's what we're seeing. And in this many cases in the denial of justice. Um, So uh, abusive power, I mean, you can see that it's, that's without race. People are abusive in power no matter what race they could be. But they don't have to be that way. But because of they have certain biases in certain areas, uh, they might play those out. And so what we see in America is that same thing coming out. But we also see that in parts here in the UK, uh, with xenophobia, especially with perhaps uh, some of the Brexit voting, not all of it, but parts of it. And we see that also in uh, places in Southeast Asia, uh, where both again, the Uh, cultural politics means that uh, rights are denied or justice is denied to certain groups uh, Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons.
0: Mm. But, yeah. It is... I, I think it is about power, though. Because if you think about it, how did this all happen? Did it not happen with colonialism?
1: So colonialism is really interesting. I in growing up in the uk you do not learn about how awful (laughs) britain was uh, that history did
0: not get taught right
1: in in no way does it get taught um and so as an adult i've kind of why is that well um, it's pretty obvious why not right it's quite a difficult thing to to uh to do i mean imagine imagine trying to teach like a 10 year old that their ancestors um potentially uh, like subjugated a whole a whole people group all around the world and um mm. and and behaved in in ways that um that they directly benefited from um so i've kind of had to discover it um as as an adult really and and become more aware of oh you know like just because uh say india used to be a british colony does not mean that um that everyone is uh, is happy about that but I don't think that's the only aspect of racism I mean in, in terms of a, a response against colonialism you can definitely understand why other cultures might hold a grudge against places like Britain and and Spain um, for for doing that to their to their country but um, I don't but think it's always grudge.
0: about power. yeah so you think you think it's just been the years of resentment and bitterness because of that history, and it's do you think it's been passed down through the generations?
1: No, I'm saying um, I'm saying I don't think it's it's always a power thing from the majority to the minority, um, but you can totally see why minorities might hold a grudge against the oppressor.
2: I mean, I think I think if we're it's too, too narrow to just blame it on power. But I think definitely within humanity, I think this is part of human sinful nature, is there's definitely an ethnocentrism to things. Um, and it's partially because culture is so ingrained in who we are and what we're like that it's very hard for us to see a different perspective. And so when you have ethnocentrism in your policies, your perspectives, and you couple that with um, an ethnocentric perspective of God, it means your policies that come out from that uh, can actually prove to be sinful. So when you talk about colonialism, uh, because of that strong ethnocentric perspective, they weren't being racist because they didn't even see other places to the same level of humans. I mean, it was beyond racism, right? Because it wasn't, not even a recognition that those were other races uh, because their ethnocentric worldview was so strong. Uh, Now that doesn't make it, none of this is right, uh, but it explains why they moved forward in those ways. It also then really challenges to see um, why God is so clear from the very beginning that he doesn't want this to be so ethnocentric. And when we think about the Jewish people, I mean, they were under so much um, i mean, so much hate, and there were so much racial tensions you see throughout the Bible as well, um, and God trying to say he's going to be the God for all nations and all countries and all tribes and all peoples, um, because he's trying to really demonstrate that he is not a God that is going to be defined by one country's uh, ethnic perspective or cultural perspective. Mm.
0: Thank you, Bert, for finally talking about sin and God. (laughs) We've we've spent a large chunk of this podcast so far (laughs) just talking about racism and not bringing in God. But so what do you think should be the church's response in terms of dealing with, um, yeah, just trying to help um, with the current racism climate thing?
1: So there's a really good uh, quote, again, from, from that book, Beyond Colorblind, um, in chapter one, where she says, um, racially and culturally unaware witness in church and involvement in our communities has caused distrust between different ethnicities. And I, I, I fully agree with that. I think um, there is this problem, and I don't think it's just within the church, but, but it kind of bleeds over from society into into church and church hasn't addressed it very well um that like all of those uh ignorances and misunderstandings that that people make out in the rest of the world they also make in church uh, i know my my uh my own friends uh my who are who are ethnic minorities their experience of um, white majority churches is not always uh, a positive one and it's not because people are being actually racist um, you would hope that that um the majority of christians that they're not actually deliberately discriminating against um against people and certainly not out of hate but um but just all those questions like oh yeah you speak english really well or um, or like where are you from and they're like oh i'm from down the road no but where are you really from like all <laughs> of that just serves to to put up this wall this barrier between. Um, people when actually the church should be trying to break down those barriers
2: I, I mean I think, I think that's something that I agree with and I think it's very hard for churches to do especially I mean we think about our context we're a Chinese church but in particular we're an English speaking congregation in the Chinese church um, and there's these cultural tensions but I think one of the big parts if you're talking about um, the global church and this is just the first part I'll talk later about uh, other areas but um, there needs to be a greater celebration of cultural differences and appreciation of them um and I, I think that happens actually through more churches or more diversity of churches. So when you hear about the Iranian church um that's growing in the UK, you don't you don't want them to become exactly like uh, a, a British Anglican church. Uh you want them to be able to. I mean, one of the greatest things uh, that comes out of a church is uh when they write their own songs in their own language, right? Like one of the biggest things uh, like Wycliffe wants to do is make sure they can get a bible in their own translation. And even in those translations when were taken from the original Greek, and i think one of the beautiful things about God designing the first uh, Bible coming out of Aramaic and Hebrew and Greek was that those translations left so much scope for other cultural understandings of God to come out through there just because of the, uh, the challenges of trying to translate that. Um, and so there's this beautiful thing where actually we should be trying to celebrate cultures as opposed to homogenize them. Uh, and I think very often it's this case where I think people want it sounds bad, but there's this ethnocentrism that shows up in churches where people say, well, we want it to be this way because that's what we think church is, but not realizing that actually uh, trying to celebrate some cultural differences, even to the point of some you know different perspectives or the way we relate to God is important because it helps us to know and appreciate and understand God better. But it's not the same as, now you get this a lot of churches too, where they then parade one ethnicity out in front of everyone else to say like, oh, you're Chinese. Can you wear some Chinese traditional clothing this week? Um, Well,
0: they call that tokenism, don't they?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Tokenism a little bit. And, um, although on one hand you're trying to celebrate that, um, it, it feels much more like show pony ish as opposed to, so anything, anything else. I, I mean, I think the story was someone cold called, emailed me and said, Hey, Oh, we heard that, you know, your Chinese church is really good. Um, you know, a lot of good stuff. And, uh, We've been we've been trying to wonder why international students don't come to our stuff, and one of the reasons is uh, they said, uh, "Oh yeah, just the food we cook is really uh, you know too British." Could you <laughs> could you could your church provide Chinese food for us for this event? And I thought to myself, "Wow, oh yeah, I get it. I'm yeah, Chinese food is the best. I get it." But um, and and I, 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 I you guys know because I sent you guys this email. and I said, "How should I respond to this?" And, I, there was a couple snarky replies in the end. I said, um, I think it's probably best you could contact local Chinese takeaways if you want to do that, because our church, um, we're not, actually not a catering company. Um, so we probably wouldn't live up to food standard to hygiene to serve 100 people. Uh, but the second thing I said was, however, if you would like to come in and talk about, um, you know, Christianity and also bring in some different cultural perspectives, we are more than happy to do that. Um, And kind of celebrating that. And so, like, one thing, like, I love the UK blessing. It was really nice to be able to see that. But I also noticed that there was a real absence of, like, kind of ethnic minority representation. Like, it would have been a lot more beautiful to see.
0: Weren't they? They were playing violins. There was one from Bristol. And then there were a few from um, another church that were playing violins. String instruments.
2: Nice. <laughs> I, I suppose, but it would have been a lot nicer. So yeah, I think I when you, like the Malaysian, I think the Malaysia blessing was really interesting because mm. they not only had that, but they had a lot of different languages they represented did. in there as well. Um, and I have a feeling though, if the UK had produced something with a variety of different languages, some people may have felt uncomfortable with that. Yeah. That that may be uh, taking away from what they believe is true Christianity.
0: Mm. Um so you're saying Christianity is completely a white thing then?
2: I'm not how, I'm not saying that. I'm saying some people think that. Okay. I mean, it's true because even some Chinese people, when they find out that you're a Christian, they say, oh, no, that's, you know, why aren't you a Buddhist? Um, I, actually, in fact, some guy in Britain came up to me and said, oh, that's really nice that you're a Christian, but, you know, you're, from, you're, you're Chinese, so you should really be like a Buddhist. And I thought... Wow, I've never thought that race and religion should be tied together so closely. Um, so,
0: so you know, I think, I think, but but
1: you mentioned uh, like we should be celebrating our cultural differences, um, but that's hard, though, isn't it? That's that's really
0: why is that hard.
1: I mean, like if take worship for example like do you want to sing yeah. worship in in a language that uh you don't understand like forget, forget about chinese in in our church for a minute like let's say we 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 brought in um some some other um uh ethnicity nationality uh and we we wanted to incorporate them into our worship would you feel comfortable singing singing music that that's unfamiliar in a language that you don't understand
2: no, see, I think that's, and I think that's exactly the, the Western perspective. We should bring one of those people into our church so that they, we can, we can show, we can see what it's like. Yeah. But actually my challenge would be that actually, no, you should go to their church, honor, honor their culture. And you're there and you're, you're embracing that culture by being there. And you understand that you are an outsider to where they are. So even in our church, I think we have this benefit. And I, I always try and encourage people to do this. Go to one of the other congregations and sit in that service. Even if you don't speak that language, go when I'm preaching, I'll, I'll preach in English. But you will get a different cultural feeling and a greater appreciation of God by just being there. So if you go to a service that you don't understand the language and, and you're there as a guest and you're not trying to teach them what you think it should be like, but you're just there to be alongside them. Like, there is a greater than appreciation of other cultures that way, as opposed to, and I think you should lean into what kind of culture you are. Like, I'm not going to fool anyone and pretend that we're like a, we're like really Chinesey. We're not, we're very Western. And that's fine, we'll lean into that. But there are parts about our Westernism that we can also try to lean into as well. But it's also being free to say, look, the future of our church may not look so Chinese. But that's fine. Like, that's, in fact, that's great, because what you just want is for God's, you know, people, for people to continue to hear and know about God, you know, from wherever they are.
1: Something that that, um, that has come up, and I've heard, um, I've heard come from uh, this this sentiment come from from white majority churches um, in Birmingham. Actually, uh, is this idea that like it it kind of seems like from all that we've said now, right now um, that the emphasis is on the minority. Um, to bring enlightenment to uh, to, to the ignorant uh, majority who doesn 't understand all the nuances of, of that culture, and that doesn 't seem fair to me, uh, but i don 't see how it seems like it's it 's difficult to address the other way around you know like we 're having this conversation because we 're in the Chinese church and we we 're more aware of these differences than um, a white majority church who's, mm. who might not even know that they're causing offense um, or, or causing people to feel alienated.
2: Oh, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's the beauty of why I think, uh, like why then English congregation and Chinese church is so vital because it's, um, we bridge the gap. We can see both sides. Mm. You can help translate from one side to another. Yeah. Uh, we're almost bilingual culturally. Um, and that's why a lot of us can slip into both types of churches and in those cases, we play a responsibility to try and um, be part of those different communities if you can, but you have to invest in one and you can share in it. And, and that's, it's, it's definitely not easy to do. And so if we go back to my concept of that, it's we all have racial biases or we have also racial perspectives on, on different things. And it, it's really trying to be humble and, and being willing to listen to both sides. So I find, so con- confession, so even if I go to an English church, I find myself, I will be much quicker to judge them if they are not warm. And I, I feel like they're fulfilling their stereotypes of what I think it's like. And I need to be very careful to catch myself when I'm doing that. because that is not who God has called us to be. Mm. I mean, that is not who God's designed me to be. And so being able to pick up the areas where I am judgmental, and I think this is such a big part about racism, is actually when you are judging someone without reason and then denying them either justice or grace that they should be receiving from us. Um, And that's where I feel like for myself, I need to really uh, confess and suddenly be more patient and be more engaging with them.
0: We all have that, though. We all have we all have biases, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's I think this is the key. So, so if we if we if we blow it out. So, the other part I want to talk about was not the Chinese church, but I think as Christians. So, if we look at the situation that's blowing up in the in the states right now, just really briefly, um, and you can see why it's it's because the institutional uh, elements of racism have been so ingrained within the country for so uh-huh. long. Um, and even though there was movement away from that, I think more recently, uh, it has shifted to become uh, more antagonist towards one another, right? So you see less listening, less understanding, less willing to communicate, and more jumping to conclusions. And that is the opposite of what God desires for us, right? Um, and uh, the frustration isn't just that this is happening. The frustration is that no one spoke up for the unjust when they could have, right? Um, and, and it requires... And I think that's and when you're coming to talking about power and authority, it's when those in power don't speak up for the unjust, then who will? And it's in these cases where you're trying to get social media to do it. But this is not the first one. This is not the first yeah. time this happened. This is, this is you know, uh, perpetual. And it will, sad, sad to say, I, you know, it it will pass uh, just because of the way the news media. But I think it is inspiring that people are trying to give a voice to the those who have been unjustly treated. Um, And I think that's something for us as Christians to also consider, like wherever we are, we have to be, as individuals, we have to be more aligned with God's will so that we don't bring bad theology into bad practice.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, America has a problem. Do you think UK has a problem? Because I found this stat, right? Well, not stat, but this um, professor, Professor David Coleman, he's, um, he specializes in uh, looking at demographic groups. And he said that white Britons could be a minority by 2066. And he really hyped up round about the Brexit time in 2016. And that's why a lot of the true white British people voted for leave. <laughs> and i just thought that was really interesting
1: I i think i think the uk has a problem but it's a different problem isn't it it's it's less it's still a colonial one but it's it's less um steeped in in the the story of slavery and and more in um in the british empire right and um and and having um people from all over the world be uh be citizens i guess or citizens is that members i don't know uh what their what their legal status is uh yeah um i mean and and your family's from Hong kong right like that's that's an example of a british colony Uh um uh and and this this ability to have to have free movement and i think that that contributes a lot of to a lot of the ethnic makeup of of the uk um but i think we still have uh the issue and the issue is um it's easy to find the differences between me and somebody else. It's easy to to focus on the differences, and those differences might be skin colour, or the language that you speak, or or even your accent, or where you come from. And sometimes that's that's racism, and sometimes that's that's uh, some other kind of discrimination, right? Like sexism, or or whatever. But yeah, I think I think we still have a problem, though.
2: I think I I. I personally, I try to move away from the idea of it being a problem, because I think a problem treats it very binary, like you can either fix it, or you can leave it as a problem. I think it's actually better to think of it more in terms of versioning or in saying, you know what, uh, you know what, we could do better. I think, you know, we could do better in loving one another, we could be we could do better in hearing other voices, um, we could do better in becoming uh, fighting for more justice for those who are on un- unjustly treated. I, like, I, I mean, I think for every nation, that that should be its kind of goals, right? Like, can we, can we do better? Can we bring more justice to people? Can we bring more uh, equality to them? Can we provide more opportunities for those in different areas? Like, I think when you have that slightly more positive look at things, it is definitely a lot more helpful. Because I think as soon as we start saying it's a problem, it's uh, trying to find blame. And in this case, I think it's very unhelpful, because then we will naturally try to blame a white people. And I don't think it's it's not that simple. It's not just their fault. Um, most of them, I, it's not their fault they were born white or that they were born uh, into the position they have, but we can all do better. Like we can all um, love one another more. And, and, I, and I hate to say it, but there is extra burden on those of us who know Jesus. Like we, we because of the, the love, and the, we are grafted into his family. Like we are adopted, we're outsiders, but we have been brought in. Like we have to see that and really say, well, okay, let me, let me yearn for more, you know, of that, uh, that kind of love and that grace to be, to be poured out.
0: Mm. Ben, I have a question for you in mind. Okay. <laughs> With you being married to a Chinese lady, um... And having um, two two beautiful kids that are um, two cultures. What's the term? What, what's the p- proper term? Bicultural. Bicultural. Yeah, sorry, bicultural. Um, do you think they will have issues growing up? And are you going to be there? What well, are you going to introduce? Um, talking about raci- racism and um just how that they look different or whatever
1: yeah so um i mean so there's there's a couple of things right so um there's that term bicultural uh and um there's a difference between ethnicity and culture um and so i think because because mandy has grown up in the uk she's got an element of of Hong Kong culture, she's got a I would say a larger element of British culture, and then I've got an element of British culture. So the element of how Chinese they are culturally um, is less than how Chinese they are ethnically um, in in our case. That's not the case for everyone. Um, uh, but in terms of uh, the problems that I hear um, or like the the friction that I hear. Um, like my BBC friends or even Mandy talking about um, in in terms of uh, clashes culturally I think that that will be less of a problem for our kids um, because there are fewer um, there are fewer things there but um, I think we were talking about um, about racism uh, with Sophie today actually Um, and she she had a lot of questions uh, and I think when you put it in Uh, when you put it in the mind of a child or in the in the
0: um wow are you talking to her about racism already i
1: mean we 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 were we were having a chat um and and then sophie was asking what we were talking about so we were we were just saying oh you know these 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 people in america are angry because um because some people are being treated differently because of of their skin color Um, and when you when you when you look at it from a child's perspective it's like it's just so um so crazy. She's just like, but that's not okay. Why why are they doing that? Why are they acting that way? And it just it just highlights how um how harsh um how harsh it is. I don't know how we're gonna navigate the um the issues of of race as um as they get older. But as much as we can we're trying to celebrate um, that biculturality. Uh, for mm-hmm. those elements where, where we can do it, we want to celebrate it. Um, we, do, we don't want our kids to be like, oh no, do we have to go to the Chinese restaurant? And we're like, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> what? Yes. Um,
0: eat red bean soup.
1: Yeah. Um, but you know, it's hard. Like, I don't know if, if my kids like red bean soup, actually.
0: I will test them one day. I will make it. I'll make a very good portion and I will make them eat it.
2: Yeah, you, you <laughs> can. I, I think it's... I think it's definitely true. I think what you're saying, Ben, I think is, is definitely something um, that, that we're struggling with. I I love the fact that you're pointing out that she's um, kind of more multi-ethnic than she is multicultural. She does carry some elements of Chinese culture, but um, there's, there's two things. One, first of all, is actually food is a great way to introduce cultures to one another Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. slowly. and um and even being that becoming more comfortable you can really celebrate that a little bit more i I think it's funny because you would you would get rid of a lot of racism as soon as you start pointing out what kind of foods come from those countries and do you like those foods then Mm. that's yeah and those foods only exist because of cultural differences yeah yeah, like you would not have those, those foods if you didn't have that. And, and that's, I think, one very easy and, and simple way to begin that. And I think that's something, again, unique about the Chinese church is that because so much of the culture revolves around food, uh, people have to come out and join us for meals and, and participate in that. Um, but I think the second thing is, because uh, we talked about recently with, with um, some of the, the parents, uh, current race seniors, talk about whether racism uh, or what's like talking to your kids about racial differences. Um, and I think you're trying to explain to Sophie, she's like, "Why would why would people do this?" Um, <laughs> it's it's funny because there are just as many kids who grow up and they don't know any different because they are, they have been targeted or they've been mocked or they've been um, abused. And and I think as we begin to understand the the different trials or different challenges of individuals, it then helps us to become more understanding and willing to listen and learn. And I, I can't say enough how important humility is in all of this. Um, I mean, the opposite of ethnocentrism is just, um, right, you're just so humble that you are ethno-embracing, right? You are eager to uh, embrace and learn and, and participate in all types of different cultures. Um, and I think it's, it's hard for us, though, because there are some things that are just so culturally different that we will naturally first react very strongly against. Um, but trying to be able to engage that. And, and I, I know there's a lot of doom and gloom about it, but actually you can't see actually that it's trending in the right direction, really, even though the, we're, ha- we're having a really bad 2020. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, 20, 2019 <laughs> um, is well, not so great either. But for the most part, like, I would say that I have endured far less racial uh, abuse in, in the years I've been here, as as the years have gone on, uh, even during COVID, I know some people have experienced some racism. But I've had s- same plenty of old white ladies in the supermarket um, talk to me, even with my mask on, and and be saying, "Oh, such strange times we're living in, isn't it?" And you know, it's it's Aww. it's nobody talks to me. That's kind of me. <laughs> I, I let right, <laughs> I, let's I, let's not go down that. Let's not comment on those things. Um, But I do think the the more uh, engaging we are and trying to be willing to to be who God wants us to be, uh, it will really help um, in that. And I think we're trying to raise our children as well. I think it's hard because I think there's so much about Christianity that is the fear of sin uh, often makes us completely intolerant towards other people. And there's so many Christians out there who are so driven by fear uh, that so many of the decisions they make or policies that they have are, are so uh, narrow-minded uh, that it, they, they don't even see that it's becoming abusive. And, and without humility, uh, we might find ourselves in that same position.
1: You know, the, uh, Just as you were saying that, but the, the, um, it struck me that the times when we've had to um, talk to to sophie about um about cultural differences more often than not it's cultural differences between christians and non-christians um Mm. and sort of explaining why uh we don't want we don't want them to be involved in things like halloween or um or why her friends are, are having a diwali party i mean that's kind of i guess cultural and um and religious but um, and we don't celebrate Diwali. And she's going, oh, but it's really fun and they're doing all these lights. Um, and and even, even, she's even said, um, oh, why, why do we only celebrate uh, two things as, as Christians? Why do we only have Easter and, and Christmas? Why don't we have other celebrations? Because my friends have other things. Um, there's we have all
0: Chinese that... New Year.
1: Yeah, but she's talking about as Christians. And so I think, I think it's, it's just as difficult bringing up Christian kids as it is bringing up that like multi-ethnic kids, multi-cultural mm. kids.
0: Now, it's only currently though, that's pretty early on in childhood, but later on the racism thing will come up.
2: I think, I think being a Christian is, should always be the first foremost challenge. I think that is the bigger, that, that is, that's gonna affect your, your image of who you are, your identity, um, how you view yourself, how you view others, how you view the world. Um, and that tension is also the easiest to give up. Uh, and that's why it's, it's difficult because you, it's, it's much easier for people to say, well, you know, I just don't want to follow Jesus. Uh, but it's much harder to change the color of your skin. So um, c- being counter-Christian culturally is a, a, a decision you have to make. Um, but a different color, ethnicity, or culture is, is something you're kind of born into. And that's where the differences are both there and the challenges are both there for them. But um, trying to hold out as a Christian um, and I think I mean same for our kids I, we, we talk about ethnicity but for the most part we've said the, the things that we do and the things we believe are going to be different and it will cause tension and it's okay to ask why and, and how to do it and whether this is okay and, and but how do we still love others even in those differences I think is, is what I love Christians find very hard to do um How do you love your friend who is celebrating Eid or Diwali? Um, How do you share in their culture uh, and not insult it with your faith? Although that feels like another episode. Yeah,
0: that is another episode. (laughs) We'll
2: invite you back for that one. (laughs)
0: Thanks. (laughs) Okay, so, so Ben, um, in summary, is it better to be. So, should we be colorblind or should we, like, how should we be dealing with this right now then?
1: You know, I, I, I this, this book's a really interesting book because, um, like, on one page, I will be agreeing and nodding my head. And then the next page, I'm like, nope, I think, I think that's, that's too far the other way. Um, and maybe, maybe I haven't reached the conclusion yet. So, um,
0: too far the, the other way of what? So, I think
1: that my, my problem with, um, with this, this backlash against colour blindness um, is uh, this focus on, and it is, it, we shouldn't be sweeping them under the carpet, but this focus on, um, on the, the scars or the, um, the friction that happens b- between cultures.
0: I think it's important to talk about the scars, though, because their use can seek reconciliation.
1: Yes, it is important to talk about them, but um, I think overly focusing on them um is uh is too far the other way so so she says real friends aren't afraid of looking at other friends real scars and that's true but imagine if your friendship was only focused on like looking at those scars and saying how are your scars healing oh isn't it awful how you got those scars um if you do that your friendship is is um is almost being defined by uh by the the ethnicity by the race. Um, So on one hand, uh, no, we shouldn't be completely colorblind. We shouldn't be ignoring the fact that, you know, we all have a different experience, like cultural experience. We all come from uh, different places uh, and, and that has different cultures and worldviews attached to it. But on the other hand, we don't want to be just like, like it's tokenism. Like going too far the other way and just being like oh you're Chinese can you can you speak Chinese uh, can you can you like do a dragon I don't know uh, like can you cook really good Chinese like if that's the only thing that you're bothered about um, then your friendship is is um, not based on it doesn't seem like it's based on who you are as a person it seems like based on who you are um, because of what your skin color is or where you were born
0: interesting interesting so, guys, what have you learned then, how having this discussion? What's your final take home points?
2: So, especially looking at what's going on in America, and I know Black Lives Matters, and trying to understand that, one of the things that helped me most was actually getting a better general understanding of the suffering behind uh, uh, different races, different cultures. And for me, uh, it, it, was, it was reading books and hearing about the plight and understanding and, and becoming so. Actually, I, the only word I can say is, is angry uh, because it was so wrong. And uh, the, it is hard reading about it because you start to realize how, how bad and how ugly humanity can really be. Um, but the second thing is don't presume that that is the case for everyone. So you have, a, you have to balance between understanding a culture and the cultural baggage and history and also the pain and suffering, but also understand that you have to love your neighbor, love each person. Um, so in this whole case I've been reading two kind of things so one um, I, I have great sympathy in particular for, for um, blacks or African Americans because of the plight that they've had to suffer because of the um, generations of racism um, but I also understand very much how um, institutional power situations create an animosity uh, and a bias uh, that's why the police not correctly by the way are acting the way they do Um, And so trying to understand both the behaviors of it um, means that not only are you trying to find justice for them, you're trying to understand why that's the case so that you can move towards a change of it. Then the second part is then actually you really have to love your neighbor and don't presume that you know what they're like. So the worst is when someone, you're starting to talk to someone and they say, no, 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 oh yeah, I know what's it's like, I have a Chinese friend or, oh yeah, 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 no, I, I, I know, you know, like, yeah, 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 I've had Chinese food before, you know, I know what you guys are like. Like that's the absolute worst, you know, just don't bother. But I think when you are generally interested in someone or generally interested in their lives, you will ask questions, you will listen, and you will see that their life story is, is much more different. And you can find some amazing stuff coming out of that. Um, the third one is then, of course, you as Christians, or if you're just thinking, you need to really practice, um, again, like I said before, speaking up for those who are marginalized or are struggling or different. And if you see those opportunities out there. So I think we shared about this um, when COVID kind of hit off, right? And um, some Chinese people were being harassed or <laughs> accused. Um, A friend of ours was walking outside Grand Central and a guy started to really, uh, say horrible things to him about, you know, you brought COVID to this country, and then he started following him and as he's heading down the stairs, and then, then the two um, Black British guys showed up and said, hey, is this guy bothering you? Um, and those guys stepped in because they, they probably understood and recognized racist uh, behavior, racist attacks.
0: They were fellow minor- minorities, yeah.
2: Yeah, fellow ethnic minorities came in and spoke up on his behalf and helped to diffuse that situation. Um, and I think that's important because we, even in our cultural background, it's important Whatever race you are, you should, if you are a believer, stand up and speak up for those where justice is being denied for whatever reason. Um, Because we should really try and be pushing forward um, to make sure people have not just the opportunities, but they should have, uh, you know, really justice available to them in this case. So yeah, that's, those are some of my thoughts and try to encourage people even as you're trying to process a lot of this.
0: How about you, Ben?
1: Yeah I think I think that's so right that we need to be the the light in the darkness and it's hard like it's really hard when (laughs) to be the only one to to um to stand out and um and and to 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 stand for um in the people that are suffering the people that experience injustice because a lot of the time it's not the obvious stuff you know like if if we if we see really obvious racism of course we're gonna we're gonna um want to tackle that, but I think it's the other stuff you know the the stuff that is um kind of that slips that slips by um and yeah, i mean the, reflecting on what's been happening in the u s the the thing that's made me the most angry is is um yeah, of course there are some terrible individuals who are behaving um in despicable ways but um but what's made me more angry is just thinking about um the the processes and the systems that that cause that to happen um and then looking at the 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 commentary and the response um the this idea that it, it, a really binary thing um and there's definitely a right side and a wrong side to fall in terms of the argument here but actually trying to understand why things are happening like you said but um is really important and you know like we've been talking on this podcast about like oh trying to get to the definite right answer in in our various previous weeks and i think um in this case uh it's 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 totally like you said about the human element um and not about uh like yeah who's right or who's wrong but actually actually realizing that that we're all people uh, the the minorities of people the, the the ignorant racists of people um we're all people and we all have um a story and trying to understand uh what makes people who they are i think is is the important part even even though that's that's really tough
2: yeah i mean just just to clarify like the behaviors are it's clearly yeah. wrong yeah <laughs> yeah um, Definitely. but it is and I, what, I think what you're trying to say is that it is, you know, sin. And all of us also have that, mm. that sin in us. I mean, I think, like, if I, like, the, the passage in Colossians that I was speaking about today, I mean, that's, it's why the good news of Jesus Christ is so good.
0: Right, Yeah, Because it
2: has the absolute power to really transform what we were to who we are. And, and when you hear Paul write about, you know, there's no, no Jew or Gentile or Greek or slave or free or barbarian, it's really trying to say, look, Jesus Jesus takes away those biases, not that those aren't unique or specific, but that we can actually see those things because Christ is our head. And I just, it, it just has to be so much of, of that. And, and for us to really say, okay, that's what we're really hungering for. We can do better. We, sh- we should fight for things that are better. We should make yeah. it better.
0: So for me, I was reflecting on Revelation 7, how like, even though there's so much suffering and so much like, injustice and violence and and yes we are here on earth to speak up for the oppressed but um, I was reminded that actually we long for heaven and we are you know I'm looking forward to the time where um we will all be worshiping God and and I was reminded of Revelation 7 how um a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes peoples and languages standing before the throne just that image of knowing that you know In heaven there'll be so many different cultures different tribes and nations and and we're called to you know be part of that here on earth to be to be making disciples of all nations and so yeah i think that is us loving god and loving our neighbors as ourselves so thank you pastor bert for joining us
2: Oh, it guys It's really great having you on the show. I hope lots of people are sending in comments and like feedback and things like that. I'd love to hear questions too. And if they send it through, just yeah, let me know. Maybe I can answer a few questions. It's been a lot of fun being here with you guys. I hope a lot of people are also like uh, liking and sharing and subscribing and spreading this out. Cause I think it's really good having these kind of discussions. Uh, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Thanks, we'd love to have you again.
0: Yeah, we'd love to have you again. Thanks for letting us do this, uh, this little side thing. But, um yeah, if you guys have any questions or feedback, please send them our way to absize at thebcec.org.uk. And
1: please rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Okay, thanks, guys. See you guys next time. Bye.
2: Bye.